Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf uh, show. I'm uh, Ted Odorico and right alongside is of course Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf show. Uh, welcome Cindy and good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very well thank you for a brisk Tuesday morning here in Florida. I know it's nothing like what's been going on in the Northeast but uh, it, it's uh, we've been enjoying some 80 degree weather down here uh, for the last little bit and then all of a sudden it's just like the old thermometer took a nosedive, and we've been hovering in the 60s, which is still not bad, but uh, nevertheless, it's not uh, what we, we've become accustomed here uh, this winter. But anyways, enough of the weather. Um, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf show. And uh, Cindy and I are excited to, uh, to always bring you a, a very interesting show each and every week here on Tuesday mornings. Uh, best way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash womenofgolf. Uh, or you can just type in Women of Golf uh, on that network, and that will take you to the main page. And on our live broadcast, which we are live every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, uh, you will find us there right front and center on the page. But if for some reason, if you're not able to join us, not to worry, uh, you can just scroll down that page and uh, go to the on-demand section, and all of the previously aired shows, including today's, will be auto-recorded and you'll find them right there in the on-demand section. So you can listen to them when it's convenient for you. Uh, or you, for those of you that like to uh, uh, navigate through iTunes, go to iTunes.com. And again, under the podcast section there, uh, you can type in Women of Golf, and that will take you to the uh, recorded uh, uh, broadcast there as well. Uh, always love to hear from, uh, from you and would love to speak to uh, uh, those tuning into the broadcast. So if you want to reach out to us during the live broadcast, you can do so by calling area code 347 347- 945-5855 if you've got some uh, interesting topics or comments about the show or maybe uh, maybe a guest that you know of that's in the golf industry that you think you'd like to uh, hear on the on the air we would be more than happy to reach out to them and, and uh, give them a personal invite so uh, please uh, call in here at 347-945-5855 anytime during our live broadcast and uh, we'll be more than happy to accommodate you um, or you can email uh, either myself or Cindy Cindy's email is Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf dot com uh, mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com Cindy um, I got a great show this morning we're going to start things off with a discussion on points to remember uh, regarding a good golf lessons um, I've done this before on my other uh, show golf talk live and uh, it was very interesting so I just thought we would uh, get some other perspectives uh, on the topic as well and then a little bit later on in the show in about probably about 30 minutes uh, Jana Rojas uh, is going to be joining us. She's known as worldwide as the one-handed uh, lady golfer and founder of AdaptiveGolfers.org, uh, and she'll be coming on here in about 30 minutes to talk about her story and uh, how golf has really uh, escalated uh, her um, journey, if you will, in life 
and we'll talk to her in just about 30 minutes time but uh, in the meantime Cindy uh, welcome what's uh, what's been happening in Cindy Miller's world um, well <laughs> we're not sure if we're going to get out for boot camp tomorrow because of this nice big snowstorm in the northeast but it's not really snowing that bad here uh, last week I had the pleasure of flying to Manhattan to give a two-hour golf lesson and fly home and I've never done that wow. Wow. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Kate Tempesta invited me to come down and help her teach her women, uh, which I mm-hmm. did, and uh, flew into LaGuardia. She picked me up. We went over to the uh, building that the simulators were in. We gave a two-hour lesson, and I flew home, and it was great. So that's kind of neat. Wow. Yeah, that's fair. And, and of course, Kate uh, Kate Tempesta has been on the show before, and uh uh, she's a great lady. works uh, works some miracles up there in Manhattan, and uh, yeah, that's very exciting. I like that. Uh, she's a great, uh, great individual, and she certainly uh, picked a wonderful person to, to partner with for that particular uh, uh, two-hour event. So uh, kudos to you, Cindy. And yeah, it's not always easy hopping on a plane and and having to fly there, but when it's something fun like that, you don't mind doing it, right? Exactly. I said you better pick me up because I'm a hick. I don't know anything about New York City. <laughs> Well, you know what? There's always lots of shopping there. <laughs> if worst case scenario, if you didn't make the lesson, there's some great shopping in Manhattan. Um, all right, so let's, let's exactly. jump right into. Uh, <laughs> believe me, I know. Unfortunately, my wallet's taken a ding a few times. But anyways, um, moving forward into another phase here. Um, all right, let me just read this out, Cindy, and then we'll we'll get into our discussion. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about points, some points to remember. Uh, regarding good golf lessons. We're going to talk a little bit from our side of things. Uh, Cindy and I, of course, are are both uh, teach professionals and uh, also a little bit from the student side, some things that they could uh, look for uh, in in ensuring that their their lessons are are, um, meeting their needs and and, uh, addressing some of the issues that maybe they might have. So let me just read this. In in all golf lessons, the golf teacher professional um, must set aside or must set some achievable goals, uh, make progress with the student and leave the student with a sense of accomplishment. Uh, a personable approach is important. Uh, find uh, uh, find or about our students and what they want to learn, et cetera, and be a good listener. Uh, the most successful of teaching professionals are organized, service-oriented, and understand the concept of building clientele. Uh, teaching golf is, uh, well is an art and can be uh, very re- a very rewarding one, which we both know. Uh, but I want to ask something, and this was kind of interesting. Uh, in the very first uh, sentence of that paragraph, uh, in all golf lessons, the golf teaching professional must set aside uh, or set some achievable goals in order to help make the, the uh, progress for the student. Um, I, I got some some different answers on that, and I'm curious to see how you would approach that. Um, <clears throat> some of the answers I got was that really it should be up to the student to uh, to set their goals as to what they want, not the teacher. Do you agree with that, or or what do you what are your take on that? Well, the first thing I ask a student is, why are you here? You know, what do you want? I'm not going to assume I know what they're looking for. They People come to us because they either want to stop shanking it or break 100. So they have either a – they want to stop, stop pain or they're seeking reward. And right. so I tell – I have – I ask the student what they're looking for, and then they, you know, oh, I can't get the ball in the air. Okay, when you leave, you will get the ball in the air. So – I, the achievable goal that I want to give them is they're going to get what they came for. Totally unrealistic. So I'm asking them why they're there. 
And if I give mm-hmm. them what they're looking for, they will be happy, and so will I. I will have accomplished their goal, and uh, then they will spread the word that they what they want wanted. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I, I think that I think it has to be part and parcel with with both the student and and the um, the instructors. I think the uh, the students certainly should have some idea of what their goals would like to be. As you just pointed out, you know, maybe it might be something as simple as just trying to get the ball in the air um, or, or break a hundred. Um, and, but at the same time, I think that we have to help them organize those goals in such a way that they're realistic too. I think sometimes people come with very unrealistic expectations. Um, you know, that they're wanting that they've had years and years of, of some bad, um, you know, uh, thoughts or, or approaches to the game and then expect a miracle in, in one or two lessons. And sometimes that's not always the case. I mean, certainly you can help correct a few issues, but if it's a, a, an ongoing thing that they've been dealing with for many years, it, it's certainly not easy. And I think it's also important too, Cindy, to, to be brief and keep the information uh, as simple and direct as possible. Use obviously words that students can understand. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes some people in the profession get a little bit too technical uh, with some of the, the jargon that we use and the students that obviously may not be familiar with that um, are kind of left scratching their head. Do you agree with that as well, or, or what's your take? Well, again, I believe it's all student-centered. So let's say somebody comes in and they uh, they have the big hook, okay, mm-hmm. a snipe hook, and they say, well, that's what I've been doing. Well, do you want to keep doing that? You know, I would... I would engage the student in a conversation to help them, if you will. So pretend you're a student and you're hitting it terrible mm-hmm. and talk mm-hmm. to me. So go ahead. Try to do that. Well, Cindy, one of the, one of the problems that I'm having is uh, I'm constantly uh, hooking the ball. doesn't matter what club I use. It's just a, a terrible hook. I can't seem to get it straightened out. And... Um, I can get the ball in the air, but it's not for very long. It's just hook, 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 hook. Okay, so then I would ask you, do you understand why the ball's going left? And yes, say, obviously um, Obviously, my club face is, is closed, is one issue, um, and also it could be dependent on the path that the club is traveling. Okay, so do you know what a square club face looks like? I want to show you what a square club face looks like. So you could start the face square Mm -hmm. and then open it on the way back and flip it over. Right. That might be what you're doing. So I would watch that. You could start the face closed and not even know what a square club face looks like. Mm -hmm. Or you could start the face square, shut it going back, and then it's going to be left of the world as well. So I'm right. going to make you aware of what you're doing. So in my opinion, you know, the fact is the ball's going left because the face is pointing left. Then we have to say, well, why is the face pointing left? Then I need to make mm-hmm. you aware of what you're doing to make the face be pointed left. Then right. we're going to fix that. And if you don't buy into that, we can't go any further because the facts are the facts. The ball can't go left if the face is pointing right. Does that make right, sense? Exactly. Yes, so that makes perfect sense. So I'm going sense. to make it very clear why the ball is doing what it's doing. Now, 
the other thing that I make very clear is the fact that um, people try to hit the ball and don't know how to swing the club. The Mm -hmm. only thing that touches the ball is the club. So when I make you aware of what you're doing with the club, you can then tell the ball what to do. But until that time, we can't go any further. So, yes, I'm going to do it very simply. And, yes, I agree with you that some people try to use big words and confuse the student to sound like they're a big shot, and that's ridiculous. (laughs) Right. And I can't stand that. I'm like, who do you think you are? Your job is to make this student better and not try to confuse them. So, again, that's all I'm saying. I, I would say, do you understand why it's doing what it's doing? And if they say no, then I, I need to make them understand that fact. You know. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like if you if you look at it from a medical like say from a medical professionals for instance, you know, one of the the things that makes a doctor successful is getting to the root causes of whatever is ailing you. I mean, they obviously can see the symptoms in many cases, or they can you can tell them about the symptoms. But if they're not addressing the root cause as to why you're feeling that way and that, then they're never really going to be able to treat you successfully. And it's the same thing with golf. It's I a mean, patch. You know, we can, yeah. it, right, ex- exactly. It just becomes a patch. And, and, and obviously what I meant, too, by, by using uh, a lot of the jargon out there, you know, some people that have played golf a long time are maybe familiar with some words and things like that. Um, but, you know, especially with today's society, with so much technology out there, um, you know, if you're inundated, the student or inundating the student with a lot of technical jargon, um, it becomes very cumbersome and very uh, difficult for them. And you're not really addressing the issues at hand. You're just sort of showing your knowledge of the game. And ultimately, they become frustrated and are more than likely either going to leave and go somewhere else or may even drop out of the game completely if, if their frustration continues. Um, what about things like humor uh, when teaching golf? And, and, I, you know, and, I, and I used this the last time when I talked to some of the guys on, on Coach's Corner. Uh, I'm not talking about, obviously, one thing you don't want to do, and I guess it, it depends on who you're teaching. Uh, you don't want to start getting into a bunch of dirty jokes and things like that or inappropriate dialogue. But um, sometimes I think if you can interject a little humor into the, the lesson, uh, it can make it a little bit more fun and enjoyable. Do you agree with that, or is that something that really, um, yeah, it's No, great absolutely. Happens, Again, it also depends on your students. So uh, sure. that goes back to who are you teaching and what's their behavior style. So I'm assessing the student immediately. Are they open or closed? Are they an introvert, an extrovert? You know, are they real organized? Do they want details? Do they just want, shut up, let's get to business, I want to get this fixed? You know, who am I teaching? And in my opinion, if, if all golf instructors focused on their students and they knew how to fix their flaws, this business would be a lot better and more people would play golf. Yeah, I agree. And, and this brings me to, to really the next point here. Um, you know, we have to remember that everybody has an inherent fear of failure. We all have failed at something, uh, many things in, in the course of our life, and that really uh, can be utilized and become a learning experience. Um, but I think if too much attention from the instructor's standpoint, is paid on the negative aspects of that individual and not on any of the positive aspects, that fear of failure gets reinforced and the student becomes, again, as I just pointed out earlier, becomes discouraged and less receptive to learning. 
Um, what do you try to do? How do you try to find that balance? Obviously, you want to point out the things that he or she are doing incorrectly, but you don't want to be in, inundate them so much with, you know, you know, God, uh, Sally, you're, you're just making a mess of things here, and that's why the ball's going all over the place. Uh, we really got to do a lot of work here to fix you up. But without really enfor- reinforcing it with any positives, that can be detrimental to, to making uh, those changes as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think it depends on um, who you're teaching and how you teach. So some people only do our lessons. And an example, you know, an office visit for me is typically a half-hour lesson. And and so mm-hmm. in a half hour, I've got to give them one thing they can get because we need to be successful. On the other hand, right. if they're in for an hour lesson, we've got a little more time. And, mm-hmm. you know, Wednesday we go to boot camp where we're going to be with people for four days. So the first thing I say to them is, what are you looking for? What will you not leave here without getting? What do you want? And so that's what I'm doing. And if I don't do that, you know, they aren't happy. So you have to be, you know, figuring out, well, how much time do I have? How committed are they? So we start with an intro lesson. Somebody that I don't know, I say, well, come on in for a half an hour lesson and see if I help you. And it works. And if you like me and you want to work with me. And if you do, you can apply that money towards a package. And if you don't, Mm. you don't need to come back. And they go, oh, okay, well, i got nothing to lose except a half an hour. So my job is to give them one thing that they can really grasp and and make sense and they can complete or do. And then we go from there. But, yeah, you got to have fun. you got to give them something they like. And it depends on what you're doing. So a lot of people only give our lessons, you know. Right. And and that's – I'm the 30-minute quick fix at Queen. So I've <laughs> and always that, been – what? No, I was going to say I agree with that wholeheartedly. You you are. And, and, and I agree with you. I think, Cindy, that you have to as a, as a professional. You have to um, – you know, there's nothing worse than somebody coming in for an hour – and you know you're you're mixing up some elixir of of things that they can do and not do, and at the end of the hour they really haven't taken away anything. Um, and you know people, especially nowadays, people's time is very valuable. It's much different in today's uh, teaching world than it was you know 20 and 30 years ago. So people don't want to come and feel like their time is being wasted and they're not getting value uh, out of that lesson. So I, I agree, and, and you do a fantastic job. Um, for those of you that that don't uh, uh, know Cindy as well. Uh, go to CindyMillerGolf.com and just see some of the great things that she's doing. But yeah, you're exactly right, um, you know, Cindy. And 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 let me just point out, and this is a great opportunity to jump in our conversation, give you an opportunity to plug um, your Learn to Hit It kit because that was specifically put together to give people an opportunity that maybe don't always have a lot of time to come and take lessons for a very economical fee. They can get a hold of that. So so give that plug now if you wouldn't mind um, before we uh, go further. Okay. So I created a box basically called the Learn to Hit It Kit, and included in the box is a small mat, very substantial small mat that will not flip around, Um, nine foam golf balls, my Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off a Callaway Club, and most importantly, a 10-module online course that teaches you how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. 
and you can look at this thing. So you could go out in your backyard with your iPad and sit there and just hit balls and learn how to hit a clean airborne and straight on purpose. So it's $99. Go to learntohititkits.com. Um, even if you've played golf for a long time and you're topping it or hooking it or slicing it or shanking it, it's going to fix all the fundamentals. It gives you how do I set up? How is the face square? Why does the ball go left? Why does the ball go right? And how to hit it, you know, clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. So, Mm -hmm. again, I think, and and I must say, the listeners can tell that I'm a high D personality, which is driven, you know, direct, on a mission, let's do this, efficient. So I may scare some people, and I don't mean to do that, but everything I do needs to be efficient and quick and let's do this and here's the solution. Now, if you want to mull it over and talk, well, I don't know. Well, okay, but let's (laughs) fix it. You know, I don't really want to hear you whine. I want you to hit it better. Right. So, you know, if you want want to um, talk about why it's terrible, that's fine, but I don't want to hear it. Let's fix it. Yep. Right, and, and that that raises a, an, you know an interesting point, Cindy. I, I think really, for, from an instructor standpoint, we have to really truly understand the purpose of why we're here. It's not just about giving golf lessons; it's about really making changes uh, in a positive way and doing it in a, a certainly not a fast but a, a reasonable period of time, um, but being effective. And I think what happens a lot of times is. You know, as instructors, we get caught up in the hyperbole, if if you will, hyperbole uh, of the the golf swing and and the mechanics and all this kind of stuff, and we just get so um, I don't like to use the word full of ourselves, but we you know we just like I said earlier, you know we're talking all this jargon and things like that, and students scratching their heads and they're just not really um, you know taking away anything. And I like the fact that of your approach is I would I would categorize you uh, as as passionate about what you do. You want the student to learn. You want them to take away um, whatever, you know, issues may be addressed and, and help them with those issues. And you're passionate about it. So, yeah, some people, and it can be aggressive about it, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. And, you know, that may, to some people looking at that, saying, wow, boy, she's really, you know, into this. Uh, but that's good. You want somebody like that on the other end. You don't want somebody that's sort of laid back and, you know, <clears throat> too easy going either on the instruction side because, then they're not really uh, addressing what you want them to do, right? Well, and again, you you have to, if you're the student, and that's mostly our listeners would be students, you almost Mm -hmm. need to interview the teacher or go watch the teacher teach to see, is that how I want them to interact with me? And, And you're right. I feel I am passionate about helping people. I feel called to do this. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm just trying to give 10 lessons a week so I can pay the bills. It's like, no, that's not me. You know, so you kind of want to watch their body language. I am into it. And so at the end of the day, I'm exhausted because I, you know, I'm paying attention to you. I'm going to give you what you came for because that's the way I work. So you have to, as a student, sit back and say, you know, do I want to work with this person? Here's an example. I went to the flight mm-hmm. scope certification training at the PGA show. Right. And they brought in a club fitter. Now, I have been to club fitting a lot. 
Cindy Miller has tried to purchase yardage her whole life, okay, and I'm old. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I have gone a lot of different places to buy yardage. And I have been to club fitters who think they are the coolest people in the world, and it's all about them telling me what I don't do well. Right. I don't like that. So at this flight scope training, they brought in a guy who's a master club fitter, and he fits tour players. And he said in his little session of his workshop, I sit back and I listen to the player. Mm-hmm. I listen to what they're looking for, and I watch. And then I put all those multiples together to give them what they want. And I thought, wow, how special are you? So it just so happens the next last time we were at boot camp, I saw this guy. I said, hey, you're the guy that's the master club fitter. He goes, who are you? <laughs> I scared him, right? <laughs> and I said, can you fit me for my driver? I've got the wrong shaft in my driver. And he goes, well, I've got to go down to the Honda Classic. I'm really busy for the next six days. I go, well, I live in Buffalo. I said, but I'll be back in March. He said, well, here's my card. Email me. So I sent him an email. He goes, what's the shaft you're using? What's the flex? And what's your club head speed? So I gave him all those numbers, and I said, I'm an old lady, dot, dot, dot. And I said to him, I'm... I refuse to quit. I'm not quite dead yet. The Legends Tour is having their first ever major championship in July. Mm -hmm. And then next year, a senior U.S. Open. And if Mm -hmm. you could give me any extra yardage, you would help me defeat my personal demons, and I would love you forever. And he said, I have some things in mind, and I love a good challenge. And I sent him back a text, ditto, thumbs up. Now, see, that's the guy I want to work with. Why? Because he's paying attention to me. Right. And that's what we have to do with our students. Pay attention. And if you don't want yep. to pay attention, then don't teach golf. Yeah, that, that's well said. And uh, and I, I, I'm hoping that he's going to be able to, and I'm sure he will, um, because he's, he's got the right formula. That, that's exactly right. I, I think as – whatever you're teaching, whether it's golf or, or anything, I think you have to pay attention to the students. You can't lump everybody. And this is a mistake too, that I think has happened over the years with some in the golf industry is they've lumped, you know, every student into one golf swing or one theory or one mindset. And it, it just doesn't work. We're all uniquely different. You know, Cindy Miller is different than, than Ted Odorico and, and so on and so forth. And for me to try to play your game, uh, or vice versa is is just not going to work. And um, you know we might have similarities, and we might there might be some things in common that we have, but we're uniquely different. Our size is different, our shape is different, our flexibilities are different. Um, so there's a lot of factors involved there. And I think this is where the student really, as you pointed out earlier, Cindy, has to um, you know research the the the, the teach profession a little bit, find out about what. Um, what it is that sort of makes them tick? What's their philosophy? Why, you know, why are they teaching? And 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 actually, you know, what I've actually been in, in situations, um, you know, as a teach professional, and I don't necessarily announce that, but I'll go to another facility and I'll just sort of creep out on the range near where I see some lessons going on, and I'll just eavesdrop to hear what the conversation is um, between the teacher and the student. And then I'll kind of make some mental notes. I'll, you know, I'll never approach them and say, hey, you're doing this wrong or you shouldn't be doing this. But I'll 
use that as a learning experience for me. If I hear some things that I think are positive and encouraging and, and hey, that might be something I might want to incorporate, or if I hear somebody on the teaching side that's not really engaging their students or really listening to their students, um, I'll also make a mental note of that. And I think that's important because that's one way that we can learn as well. Um, great discussion, Cindy. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure that this gentleman is going to be able to uh, work some miracles uh, with your golf game. I know you've got a great game as it is, but uh, we can always use a little extra yardage and a little uh, extra uh, distance and so forth. So I'm sure that uh, it'll work out well. Now, when, when does, uh, is he well, going to get and back to you shortly? Uh, hopefully Go tomorrow ahead. at 140. He's going to be at Bay Hill. And I'm going to ask him if he'll be on the program with us. But again, back sure. to the paying attention to the student, you know, our, our next guest, She's got some issues. If you don't pay attention to her, you're not going to be able to help her. We have to right. listen to our students, you know? So, mm. you know, some people might tell her to give up and not play. Well, that's not – she's yep. not going to do that. She's going to go find the, the teacher who's open-minded enough to find a way for her to play. And that's yep. what we're, our job is. Exactly. And that's why I'm so well passionate. Said. I'm sorry. I, I just get fired. No. I'm sorry. No, I, I love it. You know, and that's – one of the things I love about working with Cindy on the show, um, for those of you tuning in this morning, is is that passion. That's what this industry really needs. And, you know, we need to look um, towards individuals like Cindy Miller um, because not only does she bring a lot of experience about the game itself, but she brings a lot of passion as well. Uh, and, you know, as, as somebody that's been in the business for a long time, Cindy, you've seen and done a lot of things um, that uh, – have worked for you and there's other things that you've seen that you know wouldn't work for you and you know you make sure that you keep things balanced uh, in your teaching and, and it's very evident by listening to some of the students we've had a few of them here uh, over the last uh, few years on the show uh, especially some of the youngsters and you can hear it in their voice that they they understand what it is that you're doing for them and um, that that's fantastic all right let's bring I, I see that uh, Jonna is is ready to to go here on the show so let me just do a quick introduction here and then we'll bring her on Cindy um, as I mentioned, we have a very special guest today, uh, Jana Rojas. Uh, she's known worldwide as the one-handed lady golfer and founder of the Adaptive Golfers. Uh, she was born in 1962 in Bath, Maine. Uh, Jana has a, a challenge. She was born with, uh, without uh, fingers on her left hand, and her father being a Navy buff like me, uh, and as in the case with many military families, uh, relocated every few years. So at a very young age, Jana had to learn how to build rapport with new friendships and with other kids, uh, rather quickly um, before they moved to their next station. And this sort of constant moving was especially difficult for her, being the new kid, and having uh, only one hand often made her a target of bullying. Uh, she recalls uh, one particular uh, uh, event where they actually uh, trapped her uh, in her locker, in a locker at school for, for several hours, and it's really those types of events that uh, she has never forgotten. But on the other hand, She's taken some of these negative challenges that she's been faced with, and this has helped mold. Her character and fueled her desire to be uh, able to help those that are facing similar challenges like the ones that she has faced as a child. And as a result, uh, as she points out, kindness came when a neighbor's uh, recommendation. She became the March of Dimes poster child uh, for the state of Florida from 1972 to 76. Uh, a child who needs a hand gets one when you give uh, to the March of Dimes was the uh, tagline at that particular time. So she's had some challenges, Cindy, but she's learned to overcome them. And now she uh, speaks and, and really travels 
um, to help others. And we're going to talk to her about how she's used golf uh, to overcome some of those challenges and how she's using it to help others out there as well. So, uh, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Jonna Rogers. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Ted and Cindy. I am honored, uh, Cindy, number one, to be in the, uh, in the company of royalty. I understand. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, hey, you know, oh, you just said God. that you're the 30-minute quick-fix queen, so I bow down <laughs> to the queen. <laughs> oh, the witch. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for well, joining us. I love the fact that you absolutely do not give up. Oh, no. Nope. There's no keeping me down. Uh, no matter what challenges get thrown at me, I, I do find a way to adapt and overcome them. And uh, it just fuels my passion even more when I get challenged. Good. Right. I like that. And you and I could be yeah, BFFs. There you go. I think we already are. <laughs> Guilty yeah, by association. So yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and just a very quick, interesting note, one thing that I didn't mention um, in, in her travels and, and some of the many things that she has done, and she was involved in a, a national photo shoot in Florida um, where she had the opportunity to meet, of course, the late uh, king of golf, Arnold Palmer, um, which is, I'm sure was, was very big for you. I mean, Arnold, of course, has been a staple in golf for many, many decades, and uh, for anybody, regardless of who they are, uh, would certainly be honored to, to meet somebody of his caliber and just... Uh, a great um, ambassador of the game. So uh, I'm sure that was a very special time for you as well. Um, well, I, I wanna, think maybe I, some of that might have rubbed off on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that would be fantastic because, you know, Arnold was, was certainly a, a legend of the game, not only in his abilities, but just uh, as a, a kind, generous human being and just was very giving, uh, much like you uh, have been as well. Um, I, I want to talk, I, I, I touched on a little bit. I know that uh, there's much more to... Um, your story, but maybe you could just give us a, just sort of a, an overview of, of some of the things that you faced uh, and then sort of tied in how, how you became involved in golf, uh, what drew you to golf, and then we'll, we'll continue on with some of the things that you're doing to help uh, really promote not just your cause, but the cause of many others that, that have similar challenges to you and, and other challenges, uh, of course, um, how you're able to, to help them and be an inspiration. So just give us maybe an overview of, of some of your things growing up. Well, I guess um, I'll start where you left off. Um, I was uh, I was born with no fingers on my left hand, um, and I always wondered why did the higher powers, <laughs> who supposedly are uh, of loving um, nature, why why would they put somebody like myself on Earth with such a challenge? Um, I like I said, I was born with no fingers on my left hand. And to uh, make matters worse, I was also born into a military family. Um, and as you know, those the military families, is, it's rough on the families. Uh, we move around a lot. Every couple of years we moved. So the challenge of just being a new kid um, and earning my pecking order was enough. And then to have a challenge of being different, um, it was, to say the least, they have a word for it now. They call it bullying. But I was picked on. I was pushed down. They used to wait for me at, uh, I remember at recess in, in the elementary school, they had this big concrete uh, tube that we used to run back and forth through. And I remember sitting there and eating my snacks and my lunch in there just to kind of get away from all the picking and the and the uh, name calling. Um, they uh, actually in middle school was 
uh, a time when I did get pushed into a locker and was locked in for about three or four hours, which was terrifying. I still, Mm. every time, one thing that I can always tell uh, people is that, you know, every time that you, every time that you, challenge someone with a cha- with a, with a disability and you, you you make fun of them and and you pick on them or you use them as a scapegoat you know a piece of our heart gets taken away every time and that's something we we always remember so right. uh not to bring the 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 mojo down but it was it was a very tough situation to grow up um mm-hmm. and it wasn't until of recent where probably about 10 years ago um, well, I'm married. I've been married for 31 years to a beautiful man um, that we still like each other, which is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one of his passions was painting. Oh. He didn't um, want to be sitting at home. Hmm. I didn't want to be sitting at home, as you know, that golfer's widow. Uh, thing that they talk talk about. So um, I started hanging out with him at the driving range, uh, and then I wanted to try to learn to to swing a club a little bit, even if just to go to the driving range with him and, and hang out. I was looking for someone who could possibly teach someone who has got to learn to swing one-handed. And I met a challenge with that because there really wasn't anyone out there that was teaching one-handed golf swings. So I took whatever I learned from, number one, from him. Uh, We kept trying a lot of trial, a lot of error, uh, to find out how I would even be able to hold the club and swing the club. Then I had some instruction from a couple of uh, golf professionals. But again, I was literally just taking what they normally would teach someone who has uh, two hands, a two-handed regular swing, Mm -hmm. and we were just adapting it. So probably about five years ago it it finally caught. But going back to my uh, my time with the March of Dimes as a child, um, I did have the opportunity to meet Mr. Palmer and actually was able to sit on his lap at a national March of Dimes photo shoot. And at that time, mm-hmm. as an eight-year-old little girl sitting on, on Arnold Palmer's lap, the furthest thing from my mind that I was going to be playing golf, much less... I was going to be able to bring golf as a way to help people improve the quality of their lives, to get them out of bed, to get them out of the head, and, and get them out on the golf course to help people with different abilities. I don't like to use the word disabilities. Um, I always mm-hmm. use the word diff- different abilities because we're able. We just do it differently. We just have to adapt. So um, it was, like I said, it was a lot of trial and error. Then all of a sudden it clicked. And I was able to go out and start playing with him out on the golf course. We started getting out on vacation. We would make sure that we would book in some golf time. Um, And now I actually am not too shabby. I broke 100 once, which uh, I'm kind of proud of. I haven't gotten back there yet, but, uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, I I swing. I, I hit the ball straight. I don't hit it far which is good because I don't lose a lot of golf balls. I can usually hit it hmm. far enough and I could still see the golf ball. While my husband's out looking for his 300-yard shot out in the woods, I have a ball in play. <laughs> I don't right. really worry about my golf card. My joke is I don't keep a handicap. I have one. Um, right. But it, it, it's 
to me, it's not about it's not about my scorecard. It's about being able to be included. It's about being out there socializing. It's about being out uh, in the fresh air. It's the it's the health benefits and the mental benefits that golf brings that are more important to me. So I play to the best of my potential, and I don't really worry about what everybody else is doing. And it's for me, it, it's it helps clear your head. Um, you leave the ball doesn't care and the hole doesn't care if you roll it with your nose and how many strokes it takes to get there. As long as you enjoy your path and your journey to get to that hole and to the next hole and you get your way around, I mean, there's nothing else like it. It, it just it brings a sense of peace. And it's a place where I can go, and now I have used what those names used to be. And the kids used to call me all these different names. I've decided to use that as my brand. Why not hop out in front of it? Because it's the same thing. One-handed lady golfer is usually what people are whispering when they see me at the driving range in the golf course anyways. So I've turned right. that into my brand. And you've done a great Brilliant. job of it. <clears throat> yeah, um, Johnny, you shared a, a story with me on the phone. Um, John and I, of course, have talked a couple times on the phone in, in preparation for today. And, and uh, John is going to be joining me in a couple of weeks with a number of other uh, individuals uh, from from all over, really, but um, uh, in a couple of weeks on, on uh, my Thursday night program, Golf Talk Live. But you shared a story with me on the phone that I, I thought was very, very inspirational and really epitomizes the point that you want to make today is um, you talked about a young girl who, um, through your journey, if you will, thus far, who mm-hmm. also struggles with some challenges what that interaction did for her and how it changed uh, her perspective of herself. And you've done that very well. Explain a little bit. You know what I'm referring to, and you'll do a, I'm sure a better absolutely, job of setting absolutely. it up than me. But, but share that no, story that's with quite us. All right. Well, um, I also am an uh, inspirational, motivational speaker. I go out to golf expos uh, and any place, uh, corporate offices, where I can um, – talk a little bit about my story, and hopefully uh, someone who hears it will, f- will feel inspired out of it. I was doing a, a golf expo up at Saratoga Springs, and I had the news. I always have media that comes around. I, I wind up getting a, quite a bit of press when I go out to do things, and I try to set that up ahead of time. So I met with this news, uh, news director that came in and they followed me around for a couple of days did some video took me in had some interviews they put together a wonderful piece that they aired and what when they were airing it a mother and this young girl who was 13 years old um were sitting and watching the news now i basically were i was still at the golf expo and this woman comes over and picks me up and hugs me and says oh my goodness you are so inspirational," she said. "My 13-year-old daughter was born with less of an of of her arm, I guess, up above the elbow, is uh, where mm-hmm. her um, where her limb stopped. And she said that my daughter is always very recluse. She doesn't put herself out there. She she stays inside. She doesn't have a lot of friends. So she's she's always home. And we, you know, she she's she lacks in a lot of self-confidence. And at a 13-year-old girl, I remember that feeling because I was that 13-year-old girl. And I got picked on still even through high school. 
So mm-hmm. she said that the little young girl looked over to her mother after this was uh, the news was over and said, she said, Mom, do you think if that lady can play golf, do you think maybe I can learn? So that next morning when the mother came to me, I introduced her to a gentleman who is a adaptive golf fitter. Um, he, he takes golf clubs and adapts them in so that the kid people can swing out of a wheelchair, he'll shorten them, he uh he'll do whatever he can to try to help that person be able to at least be able to have the tools they need to swing. Then I introduced her to the rehabilitative clinic that was a little bit further around from the convention center and got her daughter included in the clinics. So now this young 13-year-old girl who doesn't think she's going to get picked for the team she doesn't have to care if she gets picked for the team anymore because, you know what, she's going to go out and do her thing, and hopefully she'll carry on the passion and, and the inspiration that I've been able to give to her, and she can carry that on and hopefully inspire others, other children her age to get out and get above whatever their adversity is and, and whatever their challenges are and and just go out and Play a little golf. You don't have to get all the way out to the golf course. Maybe it's just going to the clinics if that's all your potential is. But it gets you right. out. It gets you. It gets you out and socializing. It gets you to feel part of what everybody else is doing. So the self confidence and the dignity that can get built out of that is just priceless. I mean, I, I I cry every. I get goosebumps every time I tell that story. And I have many other stories where. Every day that I'm going out and doing this, I'm, I'm meeting more and more people that I'm actually able to inspire to say, you know what, if, if she can do it, well, maybe I can do it. And once that, once that in the brain clicks from I can't do this to maybe I can, a whole other world opens up to them. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that hope. Yeah, and that was a great, uh, a great story that you shared with me, and I'm glad that you um, were able to share it with the audience. The other thing that I, I wanted to do, and, and I know you may not necessarily have the information directly, but maybe you can give us just a, 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 an overview again, um, is just kind of the numbers of how many people mm-hmm. there are here just in the state. We talked about this, and it's, and it's actually staggering um, how many people yeah. fit into this category, um, and yet – really the, the industry itself, the golf industry, really has an opportunity to reach out to this community and say, hey, we want you to come and enjoy the game as well, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit after a while. But can you share, maybe sure. share, just give an idea of some of the numbers? Certainly. Well, there's about 37 million individuals uh, with disabilities in the United States, and that's based upon, um, I did some research with the Census Bureau, um, it's only up to 2014 is the numbers that they had. So uh, it was a five-year survey. And of those 37 million, only 10% of them are actually playing um, some sort of adaptive golf. And those numbers actually mm-hmm. came from the Clemson University survey that they did. Um, 22% of them are not playing, but they did at one time. They probably... Mm-hmm haven't been they haven't received the message that they can yet um of those what does that mean what does that mean receive the message well they can because they're probably in their minds all right so if they once played maybe these are service veterans personnel that have gone over and had some sort of of um either a, a mental challenge with pts we don't like to use the d part um and uh 
or or have a loss of limbs or have had spinal injuries or have had um, some catastrophic uh, trauma to their body that maybe they're paralyzed. Um, it, they may be sitting wherever they may be, whether it's in a VA hospital or whether it's at home, and, and in their mind they've got that I can't anymore in their head. Okay, so they so, don't believe yet. So, so they don't, or they may not even, they may not even been, not even aware that they may be able to. Okay. Um, those, some mm-hmm. of those can also include um, children who uh, maybe the parents aren't aware that their child that has a challenge can get out and do some of these things. And there are people out there like myself and, and a, a, a number of organizations that I've associated myself with that can help bring the child, especially when it comes to children. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's staggering the numbers that the, people aren't really aware how many people that have challenges in the, in the United, just in the United States alone, not even on a global level. Um, and in some countries, uh, those numbers are even more staggering. Um, I did, uh, because we're on Women of Golf, I did do a little further research and found um, some female numbers. Um, of those 37,000, or 37 million in the United States, um, about 19,682 of those are women, are female. And of those, wow. maybe only 12% of those are, are out actually in, out playing golf. Again, these are some numbers that I've, I've compiled between the United States Census Bureau and with um, with Clemson University. So um, we've got a lot of people to talk to. Um, yeah, people we sure do. Of, yeah, well, individuals with disabilities represent about two four two hundred and fourteen billion dollars of disposable income. So the golf industry needs to kind of take a, lo- a good look at this this new demographic of people. Um, it may be not new in a total way, but, for instance, there's the PGA ha- of America has their program through PGA Reach. They have PGA Hope. PGA Hope is helping our patriots everywhere. One of the reasons why I started Adaptive Golfers is because I don't fit into some of these categories, and no one is talking mm-hmm. to me, the golfer. Wow. So um, it's it's... It's something that inspired me to say, hey, you know, when I was out there trying to learn to play golf, there was no one out there to teach me. I couldn't walk up right. to a, a, a professional and say, okay, show me how to swing one-handed. I want to learn to play golf. Right. They haven't been exposed to it. Maybe they've had a few um, trial, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, gosh, the word I'm trying to look for, training. They Maybe they have a true couple of training exercises, you know, that, that you, you, you're trying to make your dominant arm stronger. So you may have a couple of drills that you do one-handed. But it's not teaching someone to play golf that mm-hmm. only has one hand. I'm only swinging. I have, one, I have an arm. I just don't have the fingers on my left hand. My arm is shorter than mm-hmm. my right arm. So right. for me to put both hands on the club or both um, – both arms connected to the club, I'm not square on my shoulder, so I will never hit it straight. So it, it, it was, like I said, it was a lot of trial and error. But what my mission is, um, part of my mission, is really to get out and, number one, bring awareness 
and say, hey, you know what, no matter what your challenge is, uh, we have a group down in Buford Hospital, um, which is uh, the Adaptive Golf Association. Um, this is a physical therapist who is at the Buford Hospital, and he takes kids out of the hospital, in their hospital bed, out into the, to the, to the yard. They have a little makeshift driving range set up out there for clinics. And they get these kids hitting golf balls from their bed. Wow. So God bless them. The amazing mental benefits of being able to just realize, wow, I can, no matter what, we will find a way. If you in your heart have a passion to do something, you'll find a way to do it. It's just getting rid of that I can't click in the yeah. head and say, oh, well, maybe I can. And that comes not only just from people with challenges, whether it's a cognitive, a physical, a sensory. There's health and age-related challenges as well. So I'm hoping that this helps bring awareness enough for the industry itself to say, hmm, maybe there should be – not every golf professional is going to want to teach somebody with a challenge, but at least during their – their training to become a golf professional, it should be at least touched on. Yeah. So that yeah. they're aware that it is. Because there are some golf professionals that I have spoke with that are completely jaw-dropped because they're like, wow, we didn't even know about, like, we didn't know people like this could go out and do this. You guys yeah. had Anthony Neto, another um, associate of, yeah, of our I, group, our tribe, I like to call it, Um and um, and he was talking about uh, being able to bring people out of a wheelchair that have no use of their legs or don't have legs um, and, and bringing them to a standing position in these paramobiles, and they're able to, to swing and hit a golf ball. So the health benefits of, first of all, you're, you're in a sedentary position. I know that Anthony touched on this, so I won't go too deeply into it, but it's so important because – it's not just about the golf. It's about bringing the dignity to somebody that is usually sitting down, talking to people, and people are talking down to them. Now they can stand up and look eye to eye and have a conversation with somebody. There was a gentleman yeah. who went away to Afghanistan who was engaged before he left, and um, he wanted to stand up at the altar and marry his wife. And when he came back, he had, his, had no legs. And it was, he was telling his wife, well, you know what, maybe we shouldn't get married. I don't want to burden you. I don't want to have you take care of me for the rest of your life. And bang, we put him in a paramobile. He stands up. He gets married, looking his wife into the eyes, and he's got his dignity back. He's got his independence back, and he's out playing golf. Boom. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I had, um, just to clarify. Adaptive... I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to, I just wanted to clarify your... something. Let me just do it real quick. Um, Anthony, Anthony Neto was actually on, I believe, last Thursday on Golf Talk Live. Uh, he wasn't on this particular program. We may get him in the future, but he was on the, the Golf Talk Live program, and, and it was very inspirational. But uh, sorry, Gustini, go ahead. Tell us about your Adaptive Golf Summit in Myrtle Beach. Uh, if we have time, I'll try to make a short version. I see we only got a few minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. The Adaptive Golf Summit is where I brought together a lot of these different organizations. Um, I brought a gentleman by the name of David Windsor. Up, uh, he's a PGA uh, teaching professional. Uh, he's also 
also the 2015 Patriot Award, Teaching Patriot Award winner from the PGA. Um, he came up and we ran a workshop at the PGA Tour Superstore. We invited the golf professionals, the physical therapists, and, um, and the rehabilitative specialists to come to the PGA Store for a workshop kind of class where we reviewed all the different adaptive challenges uh, that people may have, talked a little bit about how to be able to Uh, I think we just lost her. I think her her oh, phone dropped. Boy. Yeah, um, we'll see if she can come on here in the next second or two. Yeah, she she dropped her her call, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I, the reason I wanted to point that out is I didn't want people to get confused um, that Anthony was not on this program. He was on the other show that I do Thursday nights. But um, and he was talking about that paramobile that she was. I'll, I'll just continue this until she comes back on. But um, and he was also very quickly uh, he was talking about that there is a long drive challenge with uh, those that, that have um, the same sort of challenges that Anthony had. And I'm not sure if it was him or somebody in, in the uh, group that he's involved with that actually, uh, again, had no use of their lower body. They were in a, a uh, standing up with one of these paramobiles and hit a 305-yard drive straight uh, in this long drive wow. challenge. So, yeah, so for those of you that, that maybe don't realize – um, you know, that, that you can get out there and, and with some help and the right training and the right uh, approach to things, as Cindy and I were talking about earlier, um, there's no excuse because if these uh, men and women who, who have some of these challenges like Gianna and, and Anthony and, and many of the others, uh, the literally 37 million out there, um, there's no excuse for you that uh, maybe don't have the, those types of challenges. So, um uh, again, there's no no excuse for that, but um, it, it's just a bit, you know one of the reasons I really wanted to um, really have Jana come on here and, and share her story. Um, obviously, she you know she's becoming tied into golf, but she was also and I'll mention this as well uh, through her actually here. Let me just bring her back on. Hello Hi, there. Sorry, I have no idea. No, I I was still connected, but I heard busy signal on your side. <laughs> That's okay. Go ahead. Um, go ahead and just finish off your thought there. And um, Basically, we were able to uh, also invite the community to come in and um, bring us their challenges so that we could teach the teach. We could use the teaching that we just gave, passed down to the PGA professionals, and let them be able to have students to be able to teach on. Um, so we had a couple of people come down and uh, a couple of very good success stories, which I know we don't have much time for. So um, right. it was, it's amazing. We'll be doing it again. We're going to be doing it in New Jersey, and we'll also be doing it down in Myrtle Beach again, uh, probably in the fall. Perfect. Awesome. Um, since we only have a moment left, Jonna, on this particular uh, show, maybe you can just uh, direct the folks that want to learn more about um, that to your website, and they can get up more information if they want to reach out to you and and uh, learn more. Maybe somebody that's listening to the show has either themselves or maybe knows somebody that's uh, presented with some of the challenges that you've mentioned here today that they can go and learn um, how they can get involved and uh, not just with golf, but maybe how they can get involved and help uh, others that uh, have, have similar challenges to what they may have. So just uh, if you wouldn't mind, direct them to uh, your website. Oh, absolutely. If you go to um, www.adaptivegolfers.com, 
org, and um, you can get all your information. Um, there's a place in there where people can leave their information and their questions so that we can try to address and help point them to the right resources. Um, you can also give me a call at 973-632-1321, and uh, you know, we'll make sure that we get a little bit of information and get you to the right resources that you need. So again, that's www.adaptivegolfers.org. Perfect. Well, John, awesome. we want to thank you very much, and uh, I know you're going to be joining me in a few weeks' time, on March 30th, I believe, uh, on Golf Talk Live with uh, some other guests as well, and we're going to get into a little bit more in-depth conversation, but um, we really wanted to give you an opportunity to come on our show and just sort of lay the groundwork, because it is an important area, and as you pointed out earlier, um, there are literally millions of people across just the United States alone uh, that uh, have some of the challenges that you have and, and other challenges, and you're trying to really draw awareness to this and let them know that some of the benefits that you've uh, received um, by uh, adopting, uh, you know, golf as um, as a way of, of really helping therapeutically, obviously, but also to be able to re-engage um, with your husband and, and so forth in, in areas that maybe some may feel they may not be able to because of the challenges they're facing. So you're uh, truly an inspiration. We want to thank you for joining us this morning and uh, continued success. Uh, it was my so honor, much. both Cindy and Ted. I appreciate your... your uh giving me the opportunity to share this. And uh, for anyone out there, you know, just let us know what your challenge is, and we will definitely help you get out there and start swinging. Perfect. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you, Jana. Um, I, I, we have to let you go, but uh, we appreciate it, and I'll be in touch, and, and I look forward to having you uh, come on Golf Talk Live in a few weeks. All right. Wonderful. Everybody have a wonderful day. You too. All right, thank you, Jana. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that was our very special guest, Jonna Rojas, known worldwide as the one-handed lady golfer uh, and also the founder of Adaptive Golfers. You can go to www.adaptivegolfers, with an S, uh, .org and learn more, as she said, uh, about some of the great ways that you can reach out within um, your community to, to help those that maybe have some challenges out there. And uh, as she eloquently pointed out, um, golf is for everybody, regardless of, of what your challenges may be. And there's no excuse uh, for you not to be able to uh, get out and play. Um, and on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, uh, I'm Ted Odorico, and we appreciate you joining us every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, time here on the Women of Golf. And we look forward to you joining us next week with another great guest and some interesting discussion. So, again, on behalf of Cindy and I, thank you for joining us this morning. Cindy, as always, uh, you, you, are, um, you are the queen, if you will, uh, of golf as <laughs> As John has said, yes. so I humbly bow to you, and uh, much continued success to you. <laughs> and I will, I'll see you as well next week here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and have a great week. Bye, Cindy. Bye, 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 bye.